am I glad that I'm still here? Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been an unrocky road to where I'm at sitting in front of you today. And it probably mm-hmm. won't be after you know we close down, mm-hmm. but I'm glad there are more ups than downs from that time when I was 13 or 14 years old mm-hmm. and attempting to commit suicide. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, we are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with survivors. Going to keep trying. As always, a giant thanks to all the survivors who have joined me here on this podcast since we launched now a bit more than two years ago, and of course, to everybody who listens. Thank you. And I want to thank a few recent supporters. You gave us a contribution on Red Circle, which is our podcast hosting platform, but they do not give me any information, your name, your email. So hopefully you're listening. You know who you are. Thank you so much. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. You can also leave us a recorded message. I will put a link in the show notes. Follow that and leave your message. We really do want to hear your thoughts, your ideas, your comments, your questions. So don't be shy. And we'd like to start using some of these recorded messages in parts of our upcoming episodes, with your permission, of course. So I hope you get involved. And there are also a couple of links if you'd like to help us out with a financial contribution. But as I always say, we really do appreciate your support, whatever that looks like. And if it's tuning in every week or once in a while, that's great. Now, do keep in mind we are talking about suicide on this podcast, as the title suggests. So take that into account before or as you listen. But I do hope you listen, because there is so much to learn. Today I am talking with Tony. Tony lives in South Carolina, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Tony. How are you? Tony, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I'm having a shitty fucking day. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that you're letting me know up front. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now that will that impact our discussion minimally um, minimally uh it'll only be in the forefront of my brain don't yeah you ask i'm telling you i know the game we play in life is to say everything's fine but you know what hey look i have this podcast to have these conversations and once in a while i'm not just the interviewer occasionally you've heard the podcast i whine and vent to also all right it's okay. It's quite okay. I mean, I, I think if I had to reflect, um, there's a couple of things that's on my mind that's kind of not necessarily shitty, you know, kind of gnawing at me in a, in a not so pleasant way. So we'll get into it, I guess. Yeah, we will. I, if you, with your permission, of course. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, you are in South Carolina? I am. I am Forest Acres. Yeah. Just outside of Columbia. Okay. And you're from New York? Brooklyn, New York. All right. What part of Brooklyn? Park Slope. I was raised in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Very nice. I have a very good friend of mine that lives in Park Slope, 
Cool. Uh, oh my God, it looks so gorgeous now. I mean, even I mean, it was nice then that I, I didn't appreciate it as a young person, and then growing, and then of course leaving and coming back, and I'm like, yeah. It's also gotten ten times as expensive, but that's another podcast called Yeah, um, yeah, Real Estate yeah. Noted. This is Suicide yeah. Noted, not Real Estate mm-hmm. Noted, mm-hmm. and that's like seeming like the, the trend across the country. Where does everybody go? Who doesn't have a million dollars? Where are they going? A lot of it, I don't know where they're going. And a lot of it has to do, well, maybe, you know, we're going to generalize here. Uh, A lot of it has to do with maybe hopefully families kind of coming together because it's so expensive for just a single family to kind of get a house. So maybe that's a good thing in terms of more family kind of unifying and getting together. And then the other thing, you got to think about what conditions are moving people closer together from the outskirts. You got to think about, um, I think about at least natural disasters. Yeah. And one of the lenses I use, particularly with respect to this, these conversations is a lot of people I, I speak to, they don't really have families to go to. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think about them and I'm in kind of in that category. Where, where do we go? You we know? find families, we find, we find Maybe. safe areas. We find, I mean, because although, you know, we want to, we feel isolated sometimes, you know, with our thoughts, it isolates us. But we also tend to gravitate to, you know, we always see things on the other side that looks greener and better. And you kind of lean into that, even though it's not fully what you really want to probably embrace, but we do. Right. We do what we have to do to survive, I think. Mm -hmm. And that, and yeah, period. I know that sounds Mm -hmm. a little trite, but it's true. How did we find each other? How did you find me? Yeah. So here's the thing. So I have, um, I have lots of interests. And so I was by things that in the media, and unfortunately in the media, though, in terms of hearing about individuals committing suicide, it sparked some interest for me. And it made me kind of dig deeper into some things about myself. And then I was thinking, I was like, well, are there any suicide podcasts? And so I just kind of randomly scrolled and, you know, did a search. I was like, oh, there are, there's a handful of them out there. And so I just kind of gave a listen and some I I appreciated, but I, I, I liked hearing your voice. I liked hearing how you engage with individuals. So that's why I paused with you. Got it. And you reached out. Tony is in South Carolina. I Might be my first South Carolinian I've spoken to for this podcast. Well, I, I don't even consider myself a South Carolinian and they don't either. Right. <laughs> you might be the first person from Brooklyn. I don't know. I don't they make a, a good distinction between, um, you know, the in group and the out group with a, a, um, a deliberate veneer. Right. Yeah. It's South Carolina. You're in the South. Yeah, I was actually I was born in North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina. Beautiful. Never been to Asheville. Uh, my family is actually from Elizabeth City, North Carolina, and so they somehow or another got me in North Carolina. I was adopted. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents kind of came through with the Great Migration and mm-hmm. left the North for a variety of different reasons, which we won't even get into now. But some of the obvious ones, you know, better education, better work opportunities, and less racism. And they mm-hmm. kind of parked themselves in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, and here we are. Yeah. And here I am. Here we are. So yeah, I'm a traveler. So right. I'm making a little, you know, stop soaking up the South. Right. Soak it up. So what is your connection? Let's uh-huh. start here. Okay. These are always very challenging because we're, we're really trying to ask somebody mm. to squeeze in a whole lot of stuff in like an hour. Yeah. Right. It's tricky. Yeah. Where does the story start for you in terms of mm-hmm. how it relates to what we're talking about today? Mm-hmm. I think we'd have to peel back for me and um, being a teenager, 13, 14 years old, going through so many emotions, as you know, people Mm. always kind of, you know, point to just a lot of growth, but not growth wherein, you know, I think I know it all trying to figure it out, all growth. 
being raised in a family where as I've gotten older, I've been able to kind of detect that maybe we weren't the healthiest family for a lot of reasons, though. Lack of tools, lack of lack of letting other people know what's going on. And again, I adopted, so um, and I'm the oldest. And my parents, uh, and, and I consider them my parents and not my biological parents, but my parents love them to death. Mm. But looking back, they drank a lot, alcohol, mm. um, they smoked cigarettes, uh, things that I don't do, don't like for, you know, it was just me and my sister and both of us do not smoke. We don't like drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's one of those things where, you know, if you're exposed to certain things, you either do it or you don't do it. I'm right. the one and she and I don't do it. And with that, I think in terms of looking at myself at 13 and 14 years old and being exposed to um, a family that their behaviors, however they were introduced to them, found themselves cloaking me and my sister, mm-hmm. um, particularly my stepfather. I can dive right in and just say um, between 13 and 14 and maybe a little younger, but there was molestation, you know? Yeah. So I'll let you dig and go further. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Because of the way you framed it, it sounds like, I don't know. So how do I say this? That, that, and something like that's never happened to me. Right. Mm. I don't know how people forgive. (laughs) I don't, Mm. I don't get it. I admire it. I think it's, astounding that they can do that presumably for their own well-being how do people do that well let me ask you how do you do it if you did it it sounded like the way you framed it that's Hmm. that applies it doesn't necessarily i did forgive and then i did not forgive and i'll explain my mom i gave her a pass because i did bring it to her attention i talked to her about it and let me just back up a minute when Mm -hmm. i committed attempted to commit suicide I know it was in the warmer months, like I said, either 13 or 14. And it was my stepfather that took me to the hospital because I had t- taken some pills that were in the cabinet uh, and washed it down because my family had alcohol with some alcohol. And I knew that because of kind of reading stuff and hearing stuff on the television of what not to do. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this will be the way to kind of take care of that pain. And he took me to the um, emergency room. And then when I woke up, my mom was there because my mom, both my parents worked at the time. He was just her boyfriend. They hadn't gotten married. And so I do remember when I woke up in the hospital, I was in the actual bed. I said to her, when I opened my eyes, I'm sorry. And I remember the doctor coming in and giving her a card, like a business card. And probably it was a business card to see a therapist or a counselor, which never happened ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was almost like that whole incident was swept under the rug and no conversations about it, which was done. Mm-hmm. One of the positive things that did happen after that, several, but I'll make it short. One was that um, my mom relationship with me more, I got like a pass. Like there were things that I could just get away with more because they wanted to kind of, I guess, say, you know what? We need to be gentle with her. Mm-hmm. So that happened. But I remember bringing it to her attention, talking to her about it, or, you know, kind of mentioning it. And there was real no, there was no conversation back. There was no like, how do you know, or I need to talk to him. You know, none of that. It was just as if I was talking to no one. Um, So I did forgive her in my own way. Him, I did not. And I, so much so that um, I was just very, very um, angry, uh, extremely distant from him. And anytime he ever, I was just, I was the capital B. I just did not want to have any parts of him. And I remember as I got older and I moved out, um, it was hard to be, come back for visits because I didn't, I just did not, I let him know that I was angry. And I remember several times he would say to me, why are you angry? Why are you mad at me? And I would just go, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, just to be clear here, he was the person who, who did, yes. this, did that. Yeah. It wasn't yes. like a friend. 
Nope. nope. Which, I, I, either would be nope. atrocious. Nope. All right. Just nope. so, so he was the person. My mom's boyfriend. And then later on became her husband. My mom had married before. Got it. Um, and, and my mom and my dad separated because of, um, you know, they were always arguing and a lot of physical fights. And so they went their separate ways. But it was my mom's boyfriend. Then later on after my, my dad died, my mom and my her boyfriend got married. This I was, I think my parents my separated when I was about six mm. or five. Yeah, those are important years. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I did give my mom a pass. But I did not with him. I was definitely very physically, verbally, and emotionally a distance from him. Mm. Did not want to interact at all with him. And it was obvious. But I just thought it was very hilarious that um, he would always say to me when he could, why do you hate me? Speculating here, do you think he really didn't understand what he did? Or do you think he was aware of it and he was just like, what, I don't know. whatever else? I mean, what, it, it's astounding. I don't know. Both my parents, um, my mom, um, my parents that raised me are deceased and her boyfriend or husband or second husband are deceased. Have no mm. idea. And I yeah. don't know. Don't know. And so in the throes of all of that, when you were about 13, mm-hmm. you took those pills mm-hmm. in an attempt to end your life. Yeah. Because I was in a lot of pain, a lot of confusion. Didn't like myself at that time. I felt like things weren't going my way. And at that very moment, and I can't, you know, it's so hard to kind of, I've tried because I've kept diaries and I went back to look at a few of them and I've tore pages out. So there was something going on there. Yeah. It was just a lot of pain, a lot of emotion. And I wanted to get off that ride. I wanted to stop. I just wanted it to stop. Yeah. So, and then this might be me playing with semantics here a little bit, but is it as best you can recall, did you want out or did you want, you know, if I could have said the 13 year old Tony, it's going to stop. Mm-hmm. Would you have still, do you think, attempted or, and you, you just wanted out or you wanted to quote the pain to not be there? It's not the same. It's not exactly the same to me. Right, right. I believe I probably wanted a couple of things. I, I definitely know I wanted that type of a, a attention to stop from him. And the fact that I, I, if I recall correctly, I don't know in what order, but the fact that I did bring this to my mother's attention, and it seemed as though to me as a young teenager that nothing, no change was put into place. It seemed I was wanting out then because I felt like, well, what other recourse do I have? Right. At some point you get taken to the hospital. Yeah. You spend a night or two. Uh, No, I think it was the same day. Uh, I remember a couple of times I, um, they pumped my stomach. And so I was throwing up. You get the business card. Nothing happens with that. You go right. home. Mm-hmm. You're in seventh or eighth grade or whatever. It right. Is. Exactly. I was in either. Yeah. Junior high school. There's not a lot of discussion about it. No discussion about it. No discussion about it. That's no. not candy coated. And then you go no. back to school mm-hmm. and you're alive and yeah. you're in yeah. Mrs. Whoever's class. Yeah. And you're in the hall and you're just doing your thing and you're still right. alive. Now, a question, and, and it might be a little bit of an uncomfortable one. Did it stop? Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I was going to share with you, some insight was how it was detected that I had taken the pills. Because um, I remember um, as teenagers, you know, you're always talking to your girlfriends or your friends. And I was talking to one of my friends on the phone and I had told them what I had done and I started slurring and I think I just passed out. Well, my girlfriends lived like downtown Fulton street. I don't know if they took a cab or if they walked, but they're the ones that showed up. And my stepfather, who was my mom's boyfriend at the time, 
was on the front stoop and they told him to go inside and check on me. And that's how that happened. Mm. And so he found me in the bathroom, put me in the car and took me to the hospital and then called my mom and my mom showed up and she worked, you know, in Manhattan. So then she came in, but when I woke up, she was there. So I, I definitely know I didn't spend a night in the hospital. I think it was the same day. Do you remember particularly with your, your mom and I guess he'd become your stepfather? He does at some point. Yes. Do you remember how they uh, responded to this news? I don't. He was never allowed to uh, reprimand my sister and I ever. Any reprimand came from my mom. But I do remember when I woke up, the reason why I said immediately to my mom, I'm sorry, is because I thought she'd be so angry with me. Mm-hmm. I know that there was no reprimand, no nothing. And that's why I said, as after that incident, what I do recall changing is there was a lot more leniency with me. Right. Yeah. You lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had more a relationship with, you know, I had a relationship before, but a stronger relationship with my grandmother. And then after that, did you continue ever to ideate at all? Did you think about ending your life? In my head, as challenges would arise in life, but Mm. never, you know, like a, almost like an afterthought, meaning whatever you're going through, whether it was something professional with work or relationship divorce, because I've been there. And Mm. in that moment, when the, when everything is happening and you're trying to understand why is it happening and trying to, before you get to the point where you plan and understand and get the tools, because you're just such in a state of disbelief. Yes. I do recall there were other times in my mind that a thought came up. was like, you know, I just want, maybe I I just shouldn't be here, but Mm. not to the point where I said, you know, let me sit down, let me plan this out. I did it once before. Now I'll be successful. No, it was never like that. It was maybe a thought of, you know what, I just don't, it would be probably, probably better if I wasn't here, Mm. but, but no, to ever try to commit it, think about it and kind of sensationalize it, or just kind of want to um, go through with it again. No, for me personally, it was a a lesson learned Mm. Um, something about myself, something about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And something I I kind of don't uh, see myself as being an expert at all, only from my own experience. But when I see young folks or if I hear about people committing suicide, it just, it brings back, of course, thoughts, because I I kind of think about so many different things that could be going on in that person's life from thinking about my own life. And not necessarily Mm -hmm. in the terms of just, um, you know, being molested, but there are so many other things that young people, especially if they're young, could be Mm -hmm. going through where to us, if you're older than them, you think how, you know, that's nothing, but no, when you're young, it could be this, the smallest thing ever to an adult, a seasoned adult, but to mm-hmm. that individual at that very moment in time, it is like a volcano erupting. Mm-hmm. And for some adults though. Oh yeah. When you're thinking about suicide in that moment, in that moment, you're almost paralyzed by that situation whatever that situation is. And that is absorbing all of your energy, all of your attention. And you're not really, I don't want to say you're not thinking you are thinking, but it's that, that issue that's kind of got you in your grip or got you in its grip. It's like war Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. just can't get out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many people in the world outside of your mother, her then boyfriend and hospital staff know that you attempted to take your life at 13 years old? My grandmother. And 
my husband at the time, uh, my current partner, uh, because I, I brought it up to them. You know, I, I talked to him about it. And I actually talked to my boys. I kind of talked to them because I also, as I, you know, you, you read and you think and you talk to other people and you say, if I can have these conversations um, with individuals, because you never know what someone else may be going through or thinking about and not understanding that if I'm having these thoughts, is it unique to me? Then mm-hmm. Is there something wrong with me? But like, I like to talk to my boys and say, do you know that this happened to me? It's a door that I open because maybe they might be having thoughts when they're thinking this is something that only happened to me or only Mm -hmm. I'm going through it. And if they know that I have gone through that situation, not their experience, but my own experience, Mm -hmm. perhaps they'll, they'll come to me and talk to me, you know, so, and not everyone, I think uh, the younger generation is more open to having those conversations where when I was having, you know, those conversations with my grandmother and I don't know if about my uncle's. It was again like if you know I would mention it, expecting them to kind of oh we're we're going to take care of this let's go over there and talk to him and that didn't happen. It was like it was almost when I would open up and tell people would just listen. I did not see any no action, no change. Just like okay you know they're hearing it they're taking it in and I just think that for the most part they didn't know about resources or maybe it was the resource to protect themselves mentally and physically to not address it. Maybe. I mean, it makes you wonder what was maybe behind their inaction. Right. Why is that? Why do, I and know. I don't think it's that uncommon not to compare your experiences with mm-hmm. others, but I hear this. Hmm. Why, why is that? You know, I don't know. I have no idea. I know yeah. that's not what I do though. I try, you know, I try to be respectful of an individual and if they come to me and talk to me about it, I, you know, what would you like to do? What would, what do you want from me? Asking. Sure. That's yeah, it. Asking. That's a starting point, right? That's a yeah. very reasonable starting point. Sure. Mm-hmm. You said that you told your then husband, but obviously you weren't referring to when you were 13. Correct. No, no. Uh, in my late 20s, I got married. When you have relationships, there are things that you confide. And I do remember sharing that with that person, you know, and letting him know why I didn't like my stepfather. Yeah. So I definitely let people, I've had conversations with people about it. And you'd said earlier that you had a more, I don't know if the word sort of curiosity or interest in this subject matter. So you, you put the word in one of these podcast platforms, mm-hmm. presumably. Mm-hmm. Most people I've spoken to, it's a little different. It is, you know, I want to I, I, I wanna feel less alone because I'm having these thoughts, or this is a big part of my life or has been, and I just want to hear what, something around that. Mm-hmm. From what you shared, it doesn't sound like that's the space you're in. You really were coming at it from a different perspective. Is that accurate? It is accurate. Very good. Very good. <laughs> trying to listen my best. Yeah. So like I said, so when I hear or read or, or see something on the internet and then like this past weekend, unfortunately, you know, um, and there's probably so many more uh, mm-hmm. that do not hit the banner on your um, webpage mm-hmm. on the internet and mentions someone has committed suicide. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think since the beginning of this year, maybe since 2020 and to the present, just noticing the word suicide coming up, seeing what seemed to me a frequency of, God, is this increasing? What is going on? Why, are, why am I hearing more about this? And just being curious as I am, and as particularly for 2022, um, what seemed to me as you know, an uptick which when I looked at the numbers is really not an uptick, but then again, made me think I would like to dig a little deeper and and see and hear like what's going on. Is anyone Mm -hmm. else kind of 
leaning in and, and trying to kind of go, is there something here that we're not tapping in on understanding with clarity? And then I thought, well, I wonder if there were people having conversations and that's where I kind of Got wanted it. to see what my thoughts had been, were they in the right direction or not in terms of, you know, kind of getting a pulse of what's happening to other people, what are they experiencing? So, yeah. Hmm. I'm still on the journey. I haven't come to any decision. Still on a journey. It's just always weird to me that there's so little discussed about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I think it's I don't fear, care. fear. There's still, you know, just stigmas, stigmas, right? The stigmatization yeah. stigmas behind it. I'm just, you know, off the record here. Fuck your fear. <laughs> I, I'm just, screw you with your fear. It's not about you and your fear. Now that's an insensitive and not useful way to approach it. I get it. Right. Mm. But it's like, come on. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, in these moments with some of this stuff, I don't see clearly right. or objectively. I'm just astounded that this random bald guy in North Carolina is the guy having these conversations. Who am I? Why yeah. me? Why not? Why you? not me? But why not more people? Yeah. Well, that's how I feel. I do feel, and and I could be alone in this. I I, I do think there is there's always something that other people can do, and what that is, you'll find out on your own. And whether you get so many people leaned in to kind of go, oh my God, that's exactly what we needed to hear. Right. No, or it could just be a small group of people that needed to hear this. And that's right. fine too. I, I really feel that there are stories, stories that could be told in a meaningful and, and, and thoughtful and respectful way from individual, from families, but for, first and foremost, from those that have tried to commit suicide, whether mm-hmm. famous or not famous and lend their voice to this particularly the families, because I think families that have lost a loved one to suicide are the ones that sometimes kind of close up like a flower and because they want to protect that. Very, very sensitive and very, very personal. Sure. But I think that, that there's something there to talk to them, particularly when they're, because I could only imagine they have countless questions about what did I not see? What did I miss? Or maybe they did see and notice and they just felt that they could not help that person. Right. You know, but I do believe that there's a story to be told there. And um, I'm hoping that um told in, in a, in a visual way and being very, very, you know, open and candid and raw about it. Then you might be the person. Well, I'm maybe one of pe- one of many, hopefully one of the reasons, I mean, it's complicated, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. that people don't talk and that includes suicide loss survivors is that people are not good at listening to me. It, it's not that simple, but I, it, it feels that simple. There's not enough people who seem to give a shit and are good at listening. It's a skill. Some people seem to have it. Others need to develop it. Others apparently will never, but I don't think it takes much to shut people down mm. and invalidate them. And I also don't think it takes that much to not do that. I don't know where I'm going with this point, but it, I feel like it is complicated. And sometimes the for lack of a better word, solutions or answers are, there are many of them that are involved to, for example, help someone not want to die. But one of them, most of us can do is listen a little better. That's in most of our grasps. So echo chamber, echo chamber. We agree. Everyone who listens agrees. (laughs) This isn't reaching anybody who doesn't already know this. Did you ever lose somebody to suicide? Oh yeah. Um, A first cousin. We were in our early twenties. He did. He committed suicide. Yeah. He left his left mm-hmm. his family a note. My uncle and my my aunt. And um, I never asked my uncle what did the note say, but he did leave a note. He was in a relationship, young love, 
and it was an interracial relationship and his, the parents of the girl from what I'm, and I'm speculating because I don't know what was in the note, but I'm assuming uh, did not want their daughter to date a black guy. And he may have had other things that was going on, but I, I believe, sure. and like I said, I'm speculating. I think it hinted around that. That reminds mm-hmm. me, I never asked my uncle, what was the note about? Because I do remember him, you know, leaving a note. I'll have to ask. Mm. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't come up too much in, on this podcast about uh, people who I'm talking to mm. and their experience with losing somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I felt like asking mm-hmm. that question, but it must have been quite oh, yeah. it a certain word, like, wow. It was, was unbelievable. Good. Yeah. Yep. My first cousin. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we were the two oldest ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's so weird because that's not the best word, but we, you, you, it's, a, it's done. Mm-hmm. They're not coming back. Nope. You know, I lost my best friend to suicide a while ago mm-hmm. now, years ago. And yet, there's a long time where I'm like, he's not coming back. I mean, in my dreams, sometimes at night, I mean, he'll show up, but that's not what, what I'm talking about, right? It's weird. Right. So, this is probably a, almost a silly ish question, but I ask it because I ask most people, I'm going to use the word glad. It's not the best word. I can't mm. think of another word. Are you glad mm. that you didn't die at 13? I am. I am. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I am. And there's, a, there's probably a reason that it, it did not, I wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. And you got married. Got married, had um, two wonderful boys. They're men <laughs> now. But um, yeah. yeah. Are you crying? Yeah, because, that, you know, am I glad? Absolutely. I've had a, a lot of good breaks, if you will. And so um, everything's a lesson. And it's not necessarily just a lesson for yourself, but a lesson for you to be able to kind of think about where you are mm-hmm. um, and how can you ter- take that lesson that you've learned to make it a teachable moment for someone else if they're willing to, you know, be receptive to it. Right. Willing or able, I suppose, sometimes mm-hmm. just if they're in that space. Mm-hmm. Right. Good segue. You're reading my mind. <laughs> Well, I don't actually, I used to ask this question more for some reason I stopped, but I want to ask you this question. Sure. We have a variety of listeners. Uh, Presumably some are attempt survivors. Some might be lost survivors. Others might be in the medical field. Others might be curious and Mm -hmm. so on. Without knowing these people, of course, you'll probably never meet them. Do you have any thoughts? I, I don't want to use the word advice, but thoughts, words of wisdom, ideas to share, particularly to people who are in the position of supporting someone in that kind of pain or despair, the mom, the brother, the friend? That's a good question. Well, to be very honest and transparent, uh, I wish I had something very eloquent to share, Mm. but I don't Mm. um, because I think it's different for everyone. I feel there's, there are no words that I can share that would probably anchor someone in the way that they need to be anchored. It's just one of those things that I think happens, and this is silly and a cliche, organically. Mm. It's just what I keep remembering is you you may have something very meaningful to deliver in terms of something you're going to share orally with someone, and it may only be precise and exact for yourself because the other person that you're sharing this with they have to be in that space to want to be, re- to be able to receive it. You know, sometimes it just may not reach them. It may not reach them in that moment. Mm. So I don't have any words. I think in the moment, you know, in the moment, I do have to add, I, I had, I, and then I raised this because I, there was a time when I um, was working with uh, some colleagues, some collaborators, and someone reached out to me who, who was not 
in the best space and thought that they wanted to end their life. And I guess this highlights in terms of that reaching out and saying something profound or just with feeling to say, hey, I hear you, I see you. This is what we can do. Because clearly that person was looking for that anchor, that lifeboat, that jacket. And I just happened to be the individual they reached out to. They knew nothing about what I went through. I did share that with them through our conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of finding something uh, to share that would help someone else. I, I, I just think that um, I don't have those words. I think it's one of those things that's in the moment. You ready for the part B of that question, which might be harder? Ah, okay. <laughs> that was pretty hard. <laughs> and I appreciate your honesty. Is there anything you could say or might say to people who are thinking about taking their own lives? And maybe can we even frame this towards a teenage girl mm. dealing with certain things that you may have dealt with? That's really, that's a, okay. So I'm, I'm reaching in, in, into myself at this moment, trying to um, push away or move aside some of the cobwebs and reach down deep to areas of my memory where I may have kind of really mm. tamped down on, on what could be extremely powerful and useful. That's so tough because, you know, I think that the most common statement or something easy, easily to toss out when someone is asked this question is, oh, tell, you know, it will get better. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> no, maybe nope. not. That's right. That is so tough. Tough in, in the means of that's a good, good question. Think about someone that's 13 or 14, a young person, a younger person like myself at that time, you know, sometimes it's, it's very hard for anyone, let mm -hmm. alone a teenager to ask for help. Okay. It's hard for adults to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I think that young person should, could, if they want to, I guess, let someone in. I mean, find a way if you want. And if this is so tough, this is hard. This is hard because everything yeah. I'm thinking about yeah. is like, oh my God, that's so lame. Well, can I reframe it slightly? Sure. Uh, and this might be a little sensitive or more than a little. Okay. And what, okay. what, what would you have wanted? I want it to be seen. I wanted people to hear me. I wanted. I'm such a people person, meaning I, I like to observe individuals. Like I'll go to some, whatever it is. And I'm just like really looking at people, making assumptions in my head about, you know, what do they do? What's really troubling them or kind of reading them before meeting them. Mm -hmm. Seen and heard. Hmm. Can I, I, I'm going to be annoying here because I'm very good at it and break it down. When you say, I want someone to see me or hear me, what does that actually look or sound like? It pretty much is what we're doing right now mm. because we're having this beyond just the conversation. We're kind of really kind of talking to one another. We're, we're asking questions that don't normally get asked and I can be as creative or transparent, real, unafraid, uninhibited with you in this conversation. Mm. And I think being heard and being seen is what we're doing is what we're doing. All right. You know? So I like that example. You'd say you'd said that when you when you observe people, two of the questions you sometimes think about are what do you do and what's troubling you, right? Mm. Can I ask yeah. you two questions? Yeah. What do you do and what's troubling you? Oh my goodness. There's a lot of things that's troubling me. So what I what I do is not being afraid, being able to um, be as genuine as that time and that space will allow. And acting on it because you, how can you not do anything? So for me, it's okay. What can I do? 
how can I do it? And it's like this reaching out and hearing about your, your platform and an opportunity where it also helps me, mm, 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 mm. you know, mentally, physically, it helps me. And in turn, because things I like to think are reciprocal, perhaps I'm helping someone else For that sure. I will meet, probably never meet. Without question, you are. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so what do I do? And what was the other part? What's troubling you? What's troubling me? What is not troubling me? Okay. <laughs> Everything. No, honestly. I mean, yeah. from, you, you name it from the environment. <laughs> Just thinking about the migration of people in terms of because they're having to leave where they would probably love to stay, but can't because of disasters, COVID-19, I mean, just scares me to death. How do we make people feel whole and how do we have this community? Uh, You know, whether it's the community on your block, the community on your podcast, the community, you know, in your, in your immediate family and your nucleus family. How do we create this community where we feel whole, where we feel mm-hmm. trusted, where we can be ourselves, be our, be our authentic self, even if it means saying and being and doing things that are uncomfortable. What brought you to South Carolina? My partner, he works here. We were um, dating um, on one of those platforms and I was in North Carolina, he was in South Carolina, and then it just made sense for me to kind of move to South Carolina. And so I did. And so I'm here. Brooklyn to the Carolinas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tony from Brooklyn, who now lives in South Carolina. That is correct. Yes. Two grown sons. Yes. Yeah. And a wonderful partner who is very, very supportive. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I can't imagine being in a partnership with a non-supportive person. How about yeah. That? Yeah. How about no, that? He's great. Uh, actually, um, even my, my husband, very supportive uh, professionally and even in terms of just, you know, our domicile, just very supportive, hands-on for mostly anything. So I've lucked out in that way. Um, and so when you say, am I glad I survived? Am I glad that I'm still here? Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been an unrocky road to where I'm at sitting in front of you today. And it probably mm-hmm. won't be after you know we close down. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad because there are definitely, there are more ups than downs from that time when I was 13 or 14 years old mm-hmm. and attempting to commit suicide. And there were rough patches there because even for, you know, teenager, high school is like a nightmare. <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, I was just about to go into high school and, and, and bump, again, bump up against some other challenges. It doesn't get easier, but you learn to be able to navigate perhaps, you know, with a compass of some sort. Hopefully, Hopefully. Of, some yeah. sort, of some sort. I wonder, I wonder how many people out there who attempted to take their lives and it worked would feel, we'll never know, I don't think. The way you feel, man, if I had a do-over, I wish that thing hadn't worked. Oh, oh. This is a question that obviously can't be answered. I would imagine there are some people, I, I really believe this, that are like, no, I want it out and I'm glad I'm out. But you wonder how many people were like, you know, 13-year-old Tony. And some of them didn't make it, right? They took a few more pills or their friends weren't around in time. They died. They're done. It's over. I don't know why I think of these things. Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a really good one. You know, when we're talking about visual, you know, I could kind of flip that a couple of ways and, you know, yeah. That's Are you a visual thing. artist or is that your work? I, I'm not a visual artist. I'm just a visual person and it's been kind of dormant. And so it just like anything else, it kind of pops up when I think um, it might be um, a talent that might need to be tapped into. So, but no, I'm not. My final question, and then I'll sort of open it up because you might have other things you want to add that didn't come up. Are there any myths 
you've heard me probably ask this question before around, it doesn't necessarily have to be around suicide though. It could be around assault or, or abuse, and it could be around any myths that you want to dispel that you think. Perhaps that someone that commits suicide is selfish or attempts suicide is selfish. I, I think that the bigger thing there is that it's, yeah, I, I don't think it has anything to do with being selfish. If anything, I, I, I'd flip it and say perhaps they're selfless mm. because they're thinking that they're at that moment in time, I believe for me, how about that? I switch it around. I thought that I was doing, I was doing good. Removing myself from the situation would make things better. How about that? That one comes up a lot, this selfish word. Mm. And I wonder why. I don't know why. It's a big one. It seems to be that that's a common thing people talk about, that it's selfish. It's sing- It's a singular act, usually. It is you that you're in that moment and you are focused on you and you only. It kind of just looks like from the outside. Well, this person has A, B, C, D going on, you know, the positives. How could they? Did they not think, you know, so it's like suicide is a very singular moment. It could be that you feel that an individual, it is the gift that, bear with me, it, you say, how could that be a gift? It's a gift that will continue to pop up for the, those that remain, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. It is that, if you want to say haunting, daunting, you know, it will always be there. Yeah. You you dealt with it with your, your cousin, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's there. Self, I, I remember being angry in my head at him going, mm-hmm. oh, now he'll be in my, you know, he'll be the person that's always thought of, you know, he'll, he will, as far as the grandkids, he will always be, you know, you know, the one. And it's like, how crazy is that? How crazy is that? But we have these random thoughts. Yeah. You know? And so I just thought, oh, no one will top him. He'll be the favorite all the time. Yeah. I, I, I don't know this. I'll never know this. I'm pretty sure that's rarely what people are thinking. I'm going to be the favorite forever. So I'm going to do this. I could be wrong. I doubt oh, it. I think it's oh, yeah. way more about a tremendous amount of pain. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Right? But and, when we were talking about singular and how right. so, and I'm saying, you know, I'm thinking about myself in terms sure. of why did I kind of feel that, that this was a singular moment and trying to tie, tie it all together in terms of, okay, like I said, it's a random thought perhaps sure. in my head, sure. but certain things come up in someone's mind that sometimes we don't speak, we don't verbalize because it's so like, we're disjointed. What are you talking about? But it's a thought. Sure. Yeah. I think that I'm echoing some of the things I've heard more than unfortunate that what gets often lost, I think, is that how much pain that person was in for so long. Most people don't do this just, ah, I'm just going to do that thing. That's just not how it works. It's very rare. Long-term, profound pain, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just wish that we had that conversation a little more. I mean, some people are having that conversation. I'm not by no means the only one, but I think the conversation about it being selfish is more common. That's all. And I just don't get it. And I'm trying to, but I don't. Well, I think if you continue, which you should, uh, having more conversations like this with others, um, because it's all relevant, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Subjective, right? And there's no one voice that's going to tap in on it and be precise and come up mm. with uh, specificity or exactitude to kind of nail it. Sure. No, no. Keep doing what you're doing. And perhaps, you know, you'll stumble on hearing a variety of different voices that can add to what you're sharing. 
Yeah, that's the best it's going to get. If there were one answer, we'd have had it by now, probably. Mm-hmm. If there was one thing that would explain it all. It's pretty complex, suicide. It's complex, for sure, for sure. I mean, arguably mm-hmm. one of the, if not the most complex. You're literally taking yourself out. And it spans across, it goes across the spectrum of age. You know, oh, so yeah. there's, you can't zero in on, well, it only happens to an individual at this age. And, you know, we can go on oh, with the yeah. other, other, you know, demographics of it. It just goes across. Oh, it goes across just about everything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so there's not one thing. There's not one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean's one thing. No, I would say to people who are listening, ironically, that listening word. That's something that you can do. Maybe there's might be a small percentage of people who like have neurological challenges that Mm. literally cannot listen. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Sounds a little bizarre coming out of my mouth, but yeah, you can do that. Most of us can do better at that. Start there. We can all be better humans. Or that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for reaching out and being flexible with speaking with me and then speaking with me. This has been a fun hour or a good Good. hour or interesting. Yeah. 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 Is there a question I didn't ask or something else you wanted to share that didn't come up? Sean, you've done a wonderful job. (laughs) You've made me think um, deeper than I I probably wanted to, 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 to think, which is good. It's a good thing. Sometimes we have to do that. You know, you got to flex flex that muscle Mm. because if we don't use it, you lose it. Right. And memory is a, is, is a rubber band. Hell yeah. I haven't studied this, but I've gotten into it a little more and how our memories are not always as accurate as we think they are with certain things. I think mm-hmm. which is just like, wow, fascinating. Yeah. Cause we're yeah. so sure. Yeah. Yeah. With some stuff. And other than that, I never know how to end these other than saying mm-hmm. thank you very much. And I hope your days continue to go well. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Sean, for uh, speaking with me. Of course. I'll talk to you soon. Tony. Have All a good right. day. You take care. All right. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Tony down in South Carolina. Thank you, Tony. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. You can leave us that recorded message. Just check the show notes on how to do that. In addition to helping us with a financial contribution, if you can and want to. And again, I know I say this a lot, but please don't be shy if you'd like to leave us a rating or a review on Apple. It really helps. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that is all for episode number 118. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.